Well, here we are again then, and this is session seven on our series on the attributes of God. And this one is about God being eternal. Let's pray before we begin, shall we? Father, you're so utterly amazing, we cannot grasp how such a great God could stoop to take our form and restrict himself to a human body, to time, to rescue us, and not only that, to value and esteem us and place us in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You have set your love upon us and we can't argue. We can only humbly accept the gift and the privilege. We want to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth, to understand as much as our finite man's minds can of the infinite, the holy. Please, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher and the only one we need. Take us into the heart of the Father. Show us more of his glory that we might worthily magnify him and praise his eternal holy name in Jesus' name. Some things we will study are more difficult than others and this is one and we're in for a bumpy ride because we cannot grasp what eternity and infinitude are like any more than we can grasp what holiness was like. So our first problem is that God has always been and always will be. There never was a time when he was not. Like his omniscience, his eternality is a mystery to us because we live in a different realm, a realm governed by time. To us, uh, probably the concept of eternity is just an awfully long time, but eternity is outside of time, but it's contained in God. You can't measure it, it has no beginning and no end, so it doesn't mean a long time, but a state of timelessness where time doesn't apply at all. A bit like weightlessness, something totally out of our experience. Time marks the beginning of created existence. Because God never began to exist, it can have no application to him. Began is a time word. From the moment we were conceived, we've been living in time. We spent nine months growing in our mother's womb and then we were born on a certain day at a certain time and in a certain place. And we began time. We're locked into it. It imprisons us and God is outside of this. Time is contained in him. He lives in an everlasting now. He has no past or future. Wherever he is, it's now. In fact, he calls himself, I am. The pre-existent, everlasting one. He appears at the beginning of time and right at the end, simultaneously, which is why he can say, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Isaiah 46.10 It's awesome. God is free from any restriction. He is the only person who is totally free, and part of his freedom includes time. Time is under his control. He doesn't have a past, present and future. His name is I Am. He never began. He's always been, and he always will be. So sometimes a child who is a prisoner in time will want to know when God began. When did he start? We're hard-pressed to explain how he didn't ever start. He always was. Eternity, then, is timelessness. 
The Hebrew mindset is very helpful here. When Hebrews think about creation, they think about time as well. They say he created land and sea, plants and animals, wind and water, heaven and earth, and time. They believe that before he created, time did not exist, and they have it right. He created time for us. How else will we be able to cook a soft-boiled egg or catch the 8 o'clock train? We think time was, and then there was a certain moment when he started to create and everything sprung into being, but this isn't the case. If we look at it like this in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, might refer to the beginning of time. He began a time at a certain point, but he existed already. It was at the point of creation time began. In Greek thinking, there are two kinds of time. Kronos, which is human time, created so we can boil that three-minute egg, catch that eight o'clock train and take a Zoom call. And Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, which is God's time, or more properly, his timing. At the right time, Kairos, Jesus came. Jesus was born exactly at the time God intended. He'd set everything in place how he wanted it, and it was time, Kairos, the right time in God's economy, so Jesus arrived. When God created time, Jesus already was. Before the creation, there was no such thing as time. Isaiah 57:15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This is where God lives, eternity. He inhabits it. He is the eternal one. Genesis 21:33, we find El Olam, the God of eternity. How does God view time from eternity? He inspired Moses to write a psalm, Psalm 90, verse 2 and verse 4. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting you are God. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night. It's like this, a thousand years, a huge amount of time to us, but God isn't in time. He views it as yesterday when it's past. Moses knew a thing or two, didn't he? Today, we're free of yesterday. We can look at yesterday the way God looks at the whole of time. We can review it in 10 seconds flat. We did this, then we did that, done. In less than 10 seconds, almost. And that's how the whole of time seems to God. He can review it in a flash. And because he knows everything, sees everyone and everything too at the same time, oh, boggles the mind, he is outside and sees it. When you're outside of time, you can review things for as long as you like. A thousand years are in 10 seconds outside of time. A thousand years appears the same as someone who's asleep. A watch in the night. The psalm is a beautiful description of someone who is dwelling in eternity. So if you've lost a loved one who was a believer, know that this is how it is for them now. 
They're not affected by anything that currently affects you. They are totally free and at peace. 2 Peter 3.8 and we find them wondering why God is taking so long to come again. And we see one day is as a thousand to the Lord. He can think about a day for a thousand years if he so chooses. He's not slack. He's not hanging about. God isn't a long time. It's no, it, to God it isn't a long time. It's no time at all. But it's not yet the right time in his economy. I used to have a time chart that took you from Genesis to Revelation and all the stops in between. I was outside the time chart and I could take it all in at a glance. Everything in history was there, including that which was to come, is to come. God in eternity is just like this. He can zoom in on any event he chooses and take a year to look at it. This is why when we have things that need healing in our past, he's there because he's everywhere at once. That's the way God looks at time. Take it all in or concentrate on one period of time. He can jump about back to back and forth, front to back, up and down. He's not locked into a time scale. Time to God is always the present. It's always now. The main name of God as he reveals it to Moses is I am. I am permanently in the present. I'm constantly with you where you are. I constantly am. I'm in the present tense always. John eight fifty six to 58 Jesus speaking. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The clearest statement of his divinity. The name of eternality and Jesus claims it. He's saying 2,000 years before I came, I was there. Before Adam, Noah, I am. God is eternal and Jesus is eternal. This explains how he can say, before you call, I will answer. He's already got it in view. Prophecy fits this. He speaks from where what he's already seen. He's had eternity to think about your question today. He knew it was coming and he's been thinking about it for years. Nothing ever surprises him. God isn't limited by us being tied up in time, thankfully. John six nineteen to 21 And Jesus, having missed the boat, comes to them walking on the sea. When he gets on board, immediately they arrived at the other side. Have you ever thought about that little phrase? It shows us that time was eclipsed and they slipped in and out of eternity. They moved from the middle of the sea to the land instantly. A glimpse of his eternality in action. Jesus wanted to be on the land, and they were there. John eight fifty one and 52. And Jesus talks about death. You don't have to be fearful of death, he says. You'll never see it. You'll go straight from one place to another. Just like we saw in John 6, they were on the sea and one moment, one moment and on the land the next, as quick as that. A, a nanosecond before you draw your last breath, you'll be with him forever. People around you will see it, but you won't. You're absent. 
you will not taste death. Eternity is a moment away from any one of us. The terror of death is for the unbeliever. We will see the face of Jesus for eternity. One step. An interesting fact is that in the Hebrew language, they don't have a future tense as we do. We say, I will go shopping, that's future. I will do this and I will do that, future again. The future for them is always the present. I'm shopping this afternoon. I'm doing it. Only when you were doing the thing was it reality to them. We say with James in James 4.13, Lord willing, we'll do this. If the Lord will, we will do this or that. God uses the past tense when talking about the future. All future things are in the past for him, as though they've already happened, because they are as good as done. This is the Hebrew understanding. Jesus was a Jew, remember. Salvation is of the Jews. Let's look then at the Trinity. Father is eternal, 1 Timothy 1, 17, talking about the Father. The Son is eternal, Micah 2. His goings forth have been of old. Jesus is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Hebrews 9.14 Through the eternal spirit. So what does God's eternality mean to us? Romans 8.28 paraphrased. I tell you, things are going to happen. Not all good, but I promise that all things in your life will work for the good. I'm seeing it before it happens and it all works out. Before you can give something to someone, you must have it yourself. God has it, so he gives it to us, eternal life. We have it now and in future, beyond time. We live in two realities. We're already living in eternity. Our new man never ages, 2 Corinthians 4.16. You need to start confessing it today. It's the revelation of eternal youth. We are dwelling in two places at once now. Lovely. For the unbeliever, however, this isn't so good. The eternality of God proves the non-Christian wrong when they think that time heals sin. They will say, oh yes, when I was a lad I got up to all sorts of things, but of course it's years ago, wink, wink. In other words, time has faded my sin. Or they'll say, I was quite a lad when I was in the Navy. Then I settled down, as though it all finished. Time, they think, has dealt with their sin. Beloved, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that deals with sin. Their past is present, and sin has a recompense. God does not say, oh, it was a long time ago, let's forget it. The wonderful but strange thing is that one day we will, in reality, understand it. God is already in next year. How comforting is that? God knows what he's about. So next time we will look at his immutability. That's possibly my favourite theme of all. Till then, God bless you richly. <laughs>